Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. Well, we hope you will join us Friday night for family game nights. We are beginning to kind of wind down our summer together. We, uh, we've got a couple more fun things in plan, and, and that one's coming up this Friday night. So especially those of you with kids, we hope that you'll be here this Friday evening, 6 to 8, uh, for our family game night. As we are beginning to wrap up our summer together, we are today wrapping up this sermon series we've been in uh, since the beginning of summer, since the first week of June. We've been studying together these, what we call in the, in the New Testament book of Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit. And what we've said throughout this series, and many of you have been here throughout it, you've been tuned in online throughout it, what we've been saying about these, these characteristics, these nine fruit of the Spirit, is this is what the, a successful follower of Jesus looks like. This is what, what uh, if a church is being successful, if there's a moment of success in the life of, of a church, it's because these fruit are evident in our lives. Our lives as individuals, as we follow Jesus, and we go to work, and we deal with our kids, and we deal with the neighbors, and we deal with the principals, and all that. If these fruit are evident, that's, that's success as the life of a, Christ, of a Christian. If we as a church, as we interact with our community, as we are the hands and feet of Jesus in Tuscarawas County, this is what it looks like. It's not about bumper stickers. It's not about t-shirts. It's not about who you vote for. It's about whether or not love and joy and peace and patience, all these wonderful things show up in your life or not. So what I'm going to ask you to do one more time, we've done this every week in this series, it's week 10 now, we're going to read out loud these fruit of the Spirit, this, these two verses, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Let's read it out loud together, nice and bold, and just let this ring over for us as we talk about this last fruit of the Spirit today. Let's read it together. Galatians 5. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. All right, let's hear it. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Well, we have been on this journey of love and joy and peace and patience and so forth. And Brian did a great job in my, the couple of weeks I've been gone of, of keeping this thing going. I'm talking about gentleness and goodness and, and well, we're going to get self-control today. All these wonderful things, these characteristics that we want, we desire to have these characteristics in our life. We like talking about love and joy because it gives us warm fuzzies and it's what a great idea and peace. Who doesn't want more peace in their lives? And a few weeks ago, I joked that we might as well just skip the last one because it's about self-control. And so I said, let's just skip it. And you seem to agree with me. So good night. Have a good night. I'm just kidding. All right. We got to talk about this one. Last one on the list. This is the zinger. This is the one no one wants to talk to, talk about. Here's the truth. We all know what a lack of self-control can do. Let me give you a few examples. A lack of self-control can destroy your health. You knew this without me telling you or without your doctor telling you, didn't you? What you eat, what you drink, how much you sleep, how much you exercise, how much you work, a lack of self-control in those areas can destroy your health. A lack of self-control can destroy a marriage. Anybody know a marriage that was destroyed because someone or both someones exercised a lack of self-control? A lack of self-control can destroy a friendship. 
because the lack of self-control somebody said something somebody did something the wound is too deep it can never be healed the friendship is destroyed a lack of self-control can can cause us to spout words out of our mouth that we can't put back into our mouth and we hurt feelings and we destroy relationships Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28 says, A person without self-control is as defenseless as a city with broken down walls. Back in the day, in the ancient culture, when this verse was written, towns and villages would be attacked and they'd be looted and burned and taken over by warring tribes or armies. And the point of this proverb is that the first and best defense, best protection against that happening is a strong wall around the city. And Proverbs is saying, without self-control in my life, without self-control in your life, our lives are like broken down walls. We got no protection. We got no defense from all the things coming at us. Without self-control, like a city with broken down walls, we're vulnerable. We're defenseless to all kinds of problems. Here's the truth I want you to consider today as we talk about the lemon. I like how she, my friend Kim, who did these, this art for us, I thank her again. She put self-control as a lemon. I thought that was kind of ironic because it's kind of the bitter one, isn't it? <laughs> let, me, let me give you this truth to consider as we talk about this. Anything, anything out of control in your life can harm other people and cause damage to relationships and yourself, whether that's out of control anger, out of control substance abuse out of control vehicle you you with me anything that's out of control can harm other people and cause damage to relationships and yourself say the word anything 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 let me just mention some stuff right now that might be out of control in your life right now it might be out of control anger it might be out of control speech love the old line many a man's tongue has bloodied his nose right said something got you in trouble you've been there uncontrolled lust the internet has produced a multi-billion dollar industry so that people can degrade their minds and degrade people who bear the image of god it might be uncontrolled spending Uh uh-oh now i've gone from preaching to meddling haven't i everybody like amazon right (laughs) We just have that next, that, that, that thing that the next thing, I'll be satisfied. If I just get that next thing, it's that dopamine fix you get when you push buy on the internet. Because you think, man, if I own that, if I drive that, if I have that, if I wear that, then I'll be something. It might be uncontrolled drinking or chemical use. It might be uncontrolled ambition. There's one you don't think of every day, isn't it? Is it possible to have a lack of self-control with ambition? Well, sure it is. Why? Because you can be so consumed with your, with your company, with your, your project, with your, your whatever, that you actually neglect the things that God wants you to pay attention to, like your family, like, like your health, and so on. Uncontrolled ambition can be one of those. Uncontrolled eating you know what we're just going to move on all right uncontrolled talking (laughs) uncontrolled talking james the brother of jesus warns us that the tongue is like a spark that can set a whole forest on fire your mouth can do things that can just destroy relationships and friendships in your very life here's my point we all struggle with this part of the fruit of the spirit every single one of us i got problems you got problems all god's people got problems 
with self-control. And my struggle may not be in the same area as yours. What's out of control in my life not, might not be what's out of control in your life. What's out of control in your life might not be what's out of control in my life, but we all struggle with this issue of self-control. We all have it. So would you just for a minute, before we get too deep into this today, would you just honestly think about for a moment, don't say it out loud, I don't want you to embarrass yourself, but just think for a moment between you and the Holy Spirit right here, in your life right now, what is the greatest area of struggle for self-control? What is it? Just, it could be food. It could be ambition. It could be anger. It could be something else I didn't mention. Think about it for a minute because that's what we need to talk about today. And let's remind ourselves, as we've kind of said all throughout this series, these fruit, this is not Larry's fruit. This is not the Faith Christian Church fruit. This is the Holy Spirit's fruit that shows up in our lives. It's not ours. He produces it. The Holy Spirit produces it, but we cooperate with the Spirit as he does. We live in Christ. We follow Jesus. The Holy Spirit lives in us. It's God living in us. And we put ourselves in places and in situations and in circumstances where the Holy Spirit can produce this kind of fruit through our lives. And should I remind you one more time, <laughs> it's not a buffet. The fruit of the Spirit's not a buffet. It's not a farmer's market. You don't get to go, go like, oh, I like blackberries, but I don't like these. I, I don't like broccoli. I'm not going to pick this, but not that. It's not, it's not pick and choose. We don't get to, we don't get to buffet this. this we, these, are, these are the fruit of the Spirit. If we're following Jesus, if the Spirit of God is living in us, this is what's spilling out of us, these nine fruit of the Spirit. And of these nine fruit of the Spirit we've been talking about this summer, self-control is our least favorite. It's hard. It's hard. We don't like it. We don't want to think about it because we think, oh, I've got love. I'm handling that all right. I've got a little bit of peace in my life. I'm good with that. But this one seems to take a little more effort. This one seems a little more personal, doesn't, doesn't it? This is the one that gets the least accolades. No one notices this. If you open up your Bible, just open up to a random page and start flipping, it will not take you long to find a passage in the Bible where you can read about love, or you can read about joy, or you can read about peace. But to read about self-control is difficult because here's the deal. We only notice self-control when it's missing. When it's missing. Think about it. If someone has self-control, you don't notice it. If someone is driving in front of you, and they're driving their car, and they're going the speed limit, and they're staying between the lines, and they don't seem to be talking on the phone, and they're not honking their horn, they're not zip-zapping between lanes, trying to pass everybody. We don't think anything about that, do we? Who do we notice? We notice the guy who's driving who's out of control, whose car is driving recklessly because he's out of control. He can't handle himself behind the wheel. You notice, what, what, what you notice, what you do notice, what becomes obvious is when there is no self-control. So, let's come to this, this last fruit. And the first thing we've got to acknowledge is that there is a, there's this kind of tension when we come to the fruit of the, this fruit of the Spirit. Because this fruit of the Spirit, like love and like joy and like peace and kindness and goodness and gentleness, this fruit of the Spirit is Spirit-produced. It's, it's a direct result of the Holy Spirit, God living in us as we follow Jesus. It is Spirit-produced, but here's the tension. There seems to be some personal responsibility here too, doesn't there? I mean, what's the first word? Self. So obviously this one's all about me. This is about self. So what do we do that? Do with that? Do we have any role? 
This is just a matter of, of God saying, all right, mm, here's my magic wand. Boom, Pete, you get self-control. Or do I, have to, do I have a part of this? Do I have to play a role in this fruit of the Spirit showing up in my life? Well, that's the tension. Well, fortunately for us, the Apostle Paul seemed to have no problem with this tension. Listen to what he says in 2 Peter chapter 1. In view of all this, he's got on this beautiful rant already. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Everybody say, make every effort. Make every effort. Now that you're awake, say it with me. Make every effort. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to respond to God's promises. Every effort to respond to God's faithfulness. Here's how we do it. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. And moral excellence with knowledge. And knowledge with self-control. And self-control with patient endurance. And patient endurance with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love for everyone. In other words... Our faith, the fact that we follow Jesus, that we're Christians, our faith becomes visible, evident, when we respond to the promises of God and the changes that God is making in our lives, it becomes effective, it becomes visible, it becomes seen, it becomes noticed as you draw near to the Holy Spirit, as you follow Jesus, and this is produced in your life. This summer, we have been camped out in two verses of Scripture, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. You read it just a minute ago out loud. The fruit of the Spirit is, and there's nine fruit of the Spirit that are displayed in front of you. Verses 22 and 23. If we started in verse 22, how many verses are there in chapter 5 before we get to the fruit of the Spirit? Do the math. 21, right? There's 21 verses just in this chapter leading up to this. So what is that all about? We might want to pay attention to that. Brian did a great job talking about this about four weeks ago. He read, he, he read this whole chapter for us and talked about what the, the, the first part of this chapter. Here's the deal. What Paul says when, when he gets to the fruit of the Spirit, what the context is, there's two ways you can do life. You can walk in the flesh by your own power, by your own control, or you can walk under the power and the control of the Holy Spirit. And he has this list earlier in Galatians chapter 5 where he lists all these horrible things that can happen to your life if you decide to walk in your own power under, uh, under the flesh. He used the word flesh. You walk in the flesh, here's what's going to happen. It's a hot mess. Or, he says, you can follow the Spirit. Let the Spirit lead you. Walk in the Spirit and here's what shows up. The point is, it's up to you. You get to pick. See, there is some participation. This is not just God waving his magic wand at us. There's some participation on our part for these fruit of the Spirit to show up in our lives. If you walk in the Spirit, Paul says, the Spirit will produce this kind of fruit in you. You get to choose where you walk. You get to decide, flesh or spirit. You get to decide which of these lists is evident in your life. The list of the flesh or the list of the Spirit. Proverbs, again, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, above all else, everybody say, above all else. Above all else. All right, now hold on a minute before we read the rest of this. Anytime God says, above all else, <clears throat> all right, God, you got my attention. In other words, this is most important. 
This is priority. Above all else, what? What do you want from me, God? Above all else, above all else, God says, guard your heart. Guard your heart. For it determines the course of your life. Who's supposed to guard it? Yeah, you. You are. We guard our hearts. You are guarded by the choices you make, flesh or spirit. You are guarded by the choices that you make. So spiritual self-control cannot happen without the Holy Spirit. This is not a suck it up, buttercup, figure it out. That's not what this is. You can't make it happen, but you do. Here's the word I want to kind of latch onto today. You do cooperate with the Holy Spirit by the choices you make, flesh or spirit. You cooperate with the Holy Spirit by the choices that you make. So this is, with the help of the Spirit, self-control, with the help of the Holy Spirit, self-control. In other words, you have to choose self-control every single day. Self-control is an action. First Peter chapter 4, verse 7 says, the end of all things is near. Hallelujah. Come, Lord Jesus. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and self-controlled so that you can pray. Self-control is a choice. It is an action. So let me try to define what self-control is. I'm going to try to illustrate this with a couple of examples that I want you to kind of tell me yes or no. Is, is this example, is this an example of self-control or is this not an example of self-control? All right, ready? Here's the first one. At my house, we have a dog. His name is Teddy. Here's a picture of Teddy. Uh, I know, and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, hey, more pictures of the dog. Let's talk about self-control, right? <laughs> I know what you're thinking. I get that. Here's Teddy. All right. Teddy is a rather big dog. We always had a smaller dog. That dog died. We got Teddy. We got a big dog, all right? We've got, which is okay because we have a pretty big yard for a big dog. Problem is we don't have a big fence. We don't have any fence at all. And so Teddy likes to run. And I mean, he runs and he is strong and he, we don't take him for walks. He takes us for drags. You with me? Um, he's a strong, healthy, young dog. Um, so, but we don't have a fence. So when it's time for Teddy to go outside to do the stuff that dogs do outside, um, we have this nice, like, airplane-grade cable. It's attached to a pillar at our house. And we hook Teddy up to his little harness. We hook him to that pillar, and he can go out in the yard, and he can only go as far as the chain, as the cable goes, right? That's as far as he can go. He goes outside. He wants to run through the neighborhood. He wants to go chase the deer up into the woods. He wants to do all this stuff, but he can't. Why can't he? Because he can only go so far because he's attached to that cable. That cable is only so long. Is that cable self-control? What do you think? No, no, that cable is not self-control. All right, second example. Right now, hope you haven't noticed, but right now, I'm struggling a little bit with my weight. And here's why I'm struggling a little bit with my weight. I really like to eat. Really, really like to eat. So let's say I go home this afternoon and I say, Megan, I've had enough. I'm not gonna struggle with my weight anymore. And I hand her a chain and a padlock. And I say, I want you to wrap this chain around the refrigerator. And you lock this thing up, and you, no matter how much begging and whining and crying I do, which I do plenty of already, but no matter how much begging and whining, whining and crying I do, you do not give me the key to the padlock. Would that be self-control? No. Third example. Anybody here, when you get behind the wheel of a car, you have a, let's call it a lead foot. You like to go fast. 
You're a Zoom Zoomer, right? Uh, fast drivers, go ahead. Let's, let's see them. Raise your hands. Admit it. You're in church. Let's see it. I, we know, don't worry. God knows who you are already. The rest of us do too. We've been behind you. All right. If you have a tendency to drive too fast in your car, did you know that you can take your car to a mechanic and the mechanic can put a governor on your car which will limit the motor, the engine in your vehicle so that your car can only go so fast. So no matter how hard you stop on that accelerator, the car will only go a set maximum speed. Is that self-control? No, that's not so. Now, all those things might be helpful, but I doubt it. And the reason is, the real problem with self-control is not out there. It's in here. The issue of self-control is in here. You can put a chain on the fridge. You can put a governor on the car. Some of you probably should. But really, it's just another layer for me to try to get around. You can put a filter on your internet browser, and you probably should. And that might help. But what you've really got to do is you've got to work on what's on the inside. Self-control is not about restricting activity. It's about changing your heart. It's about changing your allegiance. It's about changing your kingdom. Kingdom of the flesh or the kingdom of the spirit? The kingdom of Larry or the kingdom of Jesus? Which kingdom am I going to live in? Jesus says this in Mark chapter 7. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil comes. This is Matthew 12. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. In other words, what's inside of you is what comes out when you talk. So just taping your mouth closed is not self-control. Self-control would be dealing with the reasons you say what you said in the first place. So, all right, so how should we define self-control? If it's not a dog on a leash, it's not a governor on the car, it's not a chain around the fridge, how should we define self-control? Let me give you a definition, and I'm, then I'm going to ask you to kind of vote, thumbs up or thumbs down on this definition, whether or not you like it or not. It's all right if you don't like my definition. I'll forgive you, all right? So thumbs up or thumbs down. Here's, here's the definition or, or a definition of self-control. Let me know what you think. Self-control is the ability to restrain my impulses, my emotions, and my desires through the exercise of my will. Let's see it. Thumbs up, thumbs down. I got a lot of thumbs up. I got a couple of thumbs down. I have one or two of these, and I got a couple of you who refuse to play along. Thanks. All right. I hate this definition. This is a horrible definition of self-control, and here's why. What's this definition all about? Me. It's all about me. I don't like it because it's all about you. This, in this definition, it is suck it up, buttercup. This definition is figure it out. You got to figure it out. You got to be better. You got to be more. You got to be stronger. You figure it out. And we've already said this is a fruit of the spirit, not a fruit of the flesh, a fruit of the spirit, not a fruit of you. So instead, we cooperate with the spirit as we follow Jesus. So let me give you a better definition of self-control. Self-control is the right use of the will, my personal will, the right use of the will under the controlling power and performance of the Holy Spirit who is alive in me as I follow Jesus, who is alive in the follower of Jesus. 
Self-control is the right use of my will, my emotions, my reactions, my, my desires, my impulses. Under, under the controlling power, and I love the word performance in this definition, as the Holy Spirit performs in my life, as the Holy Spirit lives in me because I follow Jesus. And I know what you're thinking. You think, I don't have that kind of power. Yeah, you do. Let me show you. In Galatians chapter 5, this verse we've been reading, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The word self-control in the original language, the Greek language, the root of that word, and we're getting a little, little bit of semantics here, but the root of the word for self-control is the Greek word kratos. Kratos. Everybody say kratos. Kratos. Now, kratos means strength or power. And that word shows up a little earlier, no, actually a little later, in the next, in the next book of the Bible, Galatians, Galatians, in the book of Ephesians, that word shows up in Ephesians chapter 1, where Paul says, I also pray that you will have, that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power, same word, kratos, God's power for us who believe. This is the same mighty kratos, power, that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. In other words, the power, this is Holy Spirit power we're talking about, the power that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. In the person of the Holy Spirit, living in you, God living in you as you follow Jesus. And as you walk in the Spirit, as you follow Jesus, allowing God to live in you through the person of the Holy Spirit, as you follow Jesus, this same power that raised Jesus from the dead can produce all of this fruit in you, including this bitter, bitter one of self-control. But here's the problem. Available resources is not the same thing as applied resources. Just because it's available doesn't mean we choose to use it, right? Let me give you an example. Right now in our country, in our community, in our county, where you and I live right now, there are a lot of people who are struggling with addiction, chemical addiction, prescription drugs, alcohol, street drugs, whatever it is. There are tons of people, you know people, who are struggling with addiction. <clears throat> There's an out-of-control drug issue in our country and in Tuscarawas County. There are also, in our country, in our state, even in our county, here in Tuscarawas, little old Tuscarawas County, there are some fantastic resources and programs with literally millions of dollars being poured into them to help people who are struggling with addiction to get clean and sober. And listen to me. And they work. These programs work. They're great. They help. Well, they help some people. But they don't help all people. Why? Why is it that if the programs are so good, and if they work, and if we're putting so much of the community plus taxpayer money into these programs towards the problem, why doesn't it help all the people? Because an available resource is not the same as an applied resource. 
You with me? You and I have to want, we have to accept that resource. And in the case of the resource that is the Holy Spirit living in our lives, producing this fruit in our lives as we follow Jesus, we have to want and accept that resource. We have to want and have to allow the Holy Spirit to take control over our lives. We have to choose not the flesh, but the Spirit. We have to want and accept that resource so that this fruit, all of this fruit, can grow and be seen in our lives. Way, 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 way back in the beginning of June, we began this whole series, I began this whole series with this line, that fruit is about the root. The root's healthy of a plant, the fruit will be good, right? And Jesus says when we are filled with him, when we are rooted in him, we are going to bear fruit. We're going to have a life to the full. When we're full of Jesus, Jesus is what's going to spill out of us. Fruit is about root. Paul tells us this in this verse in Galatians 5, we've been in all summer long, that if we are filled with the Spirit, filled with Jesus, there's going to be fruit evident in our lives. When Jesus is in you, guess what? Jesus is what comes out of you. So let's read one more time. Let's read out loud this passage, the passage from Galatians 5 one more time. And as we, re, as we read it, remember, if you're full of Jesus, if you're full of the Spirit, this is the fruit that comes spilling out of your life. Let's read it together one more time, Galatians 5. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Let me hear you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When Jesus is in you, guess what? Jesus is what comes out of you. And that's the true measure of our faith. That's the proof of our faith. It's the fruit. Jesus says, you'll know a tree by its fruit. My fruit shows my root. It shows what I'm full of. God is really interested And God is really, really invested in your spiritual fruit. The love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, the self-control. God is invested in your fruit. And here's why. This stuff, this is the stuff that can change the world. So church, as we follow Jesus, Allowing the Holy Spirit to control and to perform in our lives. His fruit in each one of us and in us together as a church. Church, let's go change the world. Let's pray. If you're serving on our community team, let's go ahead and take your places at this time to serve communion to us. Father, we thank you for this fruit that is available to us when we make ourselves available to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, as we follow you, as you live in us through the Spirit, guiding our thoughts, our decisions, our actions, our hands, our feet, our choices. God, we are, we are thankful that this fruit, that this, things like love and peace and joy and kindness, gentleness, even, even self-control, the one we've talked about today, can show up in our lives. It's there, it's available for us if we'll apply it, if we'll take you on that promise that it can be there for us. So God, we want to do that just now. And I invite you right in this moment, as we sit in this room, as we're watching this broadcast online, I invite you 
to move your Holy Spirit in each one of us as we follow you. And God, I invite you to challenge us and give us moments and opportunities where these fruit, all nine of these fruit, they show up to a world who's watching so that we can change the world, not with our love, not with our self-control, but with your love, your peace, your patience, and your kindness, and your goodness, and your faithfulness can show up in our lives, and the world can change. God, we know this is possible because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that's alive in us, and so now we come to a time of communion. And we come to a moment where we reflect by eating a piece of bread and drinking from a cup of juice. We remember the sacrifice, the death of Jesus on a cross for the sins of all people. We remember that moment as we eat and we drink these communion emblems today. But Father, we know that without the power of the resurrection, that is just another death. It's just another life lost. But because of the power of the resurrection, that crucifixion now has power as well. The power to take our sin away. The power to give us life and the power to live in us and show your love and your joy and your peace and your patience to a world who is watching, who is desperate to see if there's something else besides hate and anger. There's something else to see besides violence. There's something else to see besides addiction. The world wants to see it, God. It's our job. We take on that job to show it to them by the way that we love, the way we exercise self-control, the way we are kind, the way we are good. And we do this because the power of Jesus, the power of Jesus is in us. So, Father, as we eat and we drink these emblems, we do so recognizing that your power is available to us. We claim it. We take it. And it's ours as well. We pray this in the name of Jesus.